Warning, the following podcast contains adult language and childish comedy. Listener discretion is advised. And now, please adjust your headphone volume to an unreasonable level and enjoy the most dynamic and electrifyingly entertaining podcast ever to conquer cyberspace. This is Amish Baby Machine. Hello, friends, and welcome to the most powerful podcast ever created, the Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast, RME Dags. Today, we have a powerful show. I'm very excited, as always. And across this powerful oaken desk is master of the microphone, Micah Rez. Hey, what's up, Dags? Glad I could be here. Not at work, not getting stuck, working a thousand hours a week in the heat. It is hot. Some like it hot. We don't. No. A couple days ago, it felt like October. And uh, today it feels like the fucking sun is right wow, next to us. You're ragey. I well, yeah, it's fucking hot out there. God damn, dude! Powerful. Yes. Hello, friends. If you're new to this podcast, what it is is powerful podcast where me and Mike or Rez get together. We talk about everything pop culture. You're gonna love it. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to the OGs. And today's powerful episode is going to be about the Halifax explosion. Also, we're going to do a beer review. We have Song of the Day. It's going to be a great show. But I got a couple things I want to talk about. Uh-oh. What is it? What's the deal with throwing out the first pitch? Why do we even do that? <laughs> uh, it's a tradition, Dags. A yeah. tradition that goes back to 1917. Yeah. Know. Yeah, exactly. Abner Doubleday. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. I mean, we don't do the half-court shot. We don't drop the puck. You know, you got that old Fonzie guy, the doctor. Although we do drop the puck with some celebrities, local celebrities around here. Yeah, we don't. We never drop the. Have you? Have you done it? You're a local celebrity. Not yet. You need. It, you need yeah. to do it. If they're if they're listening, I would love to do it. Or the, the uh, intro before the wild games. That would be pretty sweet. Powerful. And if we're gonna have someone do it, at least have someone that can that can throw halfway throw. Yeah. There's a lot of terrible. I mean, ones like out that there. the Doctor Fonzie, the the the, <laughs> the masked man. Right. Yeah, speaking of masks, we do have masks available. Buy them. AmishBabyMachine.com. You're going to love them. Check them out. Yeah, so, I hear so, you. Yeah, here, get rid of that. Yeah, although, you know, there was a, uh, in, in, the, in J- the Japan League, what they do sometimes is they bring out the acrobats from the circus, and they end up doing like a twist and a flip before they throw it, and they actually get it to home plate. Maybe that's what uh, Dr. Fonzie should have done. Yeah, but are you a baseball purist? I mean, do you want to jazz it up? It's kind of like here in Minnesota, the great state of Minnesota. Yeah, I don't. That's I don't another mind thing it. too. I want to rant on. Okay, I'm watching the TikToks. You know that Chinese spy app, mm-hmm. and they got this uh, young lady on there, and she does this over the top Minnesota accent. Over the top bugs me. We don't talk like that. No, and everyone's oh yeah, you betcha. No. In all fairness, though, my brother-in-law's from the East Coast, and I totally rip on that accent. It's well, awesome. Well, it's like Boston, you know. Oh, yeah, and that's where he's from. People from Boston, they got to get sick of that, too, because pocket car and all that. Right, yeah. Harvard. Yeah, Harvard. Yeah. But anyway, Harvard. we don't all talk like that from the great state of Minnesota. I do catch myself saying Minnesota. Yeah, or boat. I've done that before. Boat? 
Yeah. Boot. Yeah, What's not, that not a boot? boot? That's Canadian, but yeah. Boot. God, I love Canada. Right? Oh, Canada. Powerful. Another thing I want to talk about is Shark Week. How they call it Shark Fest. What? When you did know, they change the name? I don't know. Dumb. But you know how everyone's obsessed with sharks? Yeah. You know how many people died of shark attack in 2019? Guess. Uh, 322. Five. Wow, I was way off. Five people. You know how many people died of hippo attacks in Africa alone? 247. 500. Well, I was so why don't we again. have hippo fest? We should have. Yes, hippo hippos fest. are powerful animals. Yes, you don't want any of them charging you either. No. And what's the deal with them in cartoons? They're always displayed as like a pink, just a feminine thing. They're they're beasts. They're animals, and they got those fucked up teeth. Yeah. They're always eating. People are throwing watermelons at them. Yeah, crush the watermelons with yes. their powerful jaws. Yes. By the way, Micah Rez is into crushing videos. If you have any links for him. <laughs> powerful. Great show today. Mike Arez, we have a powerful drink that I enjoyed. We have Song of the Day and the terrible incident, the Halifax explosion. We will get into that. Speaking of Canada. Yes. What do you want to do first? Should we do beer? Let's talk beer. All right. So you enjoyed a nice beverage. Yes. Tell the fans of Flock of Amish what beer I enjoyed. It's the uh, Brewing Project. P-R-O-J-E-K-T, because they have to be unique. What do you think of alternative spelling? Does that bother you or not? Nah, well, no, unless you're trying to find it, and you don't know how that it's an alternative spelling, then, then, then it sucks. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> I think the, and, and then condescending Google is like, did you mean this? <laughs> yeah, screw you, Google. I think uh, the last time you enjoyed a beer from them, that's what was throwing me off. I couldn't find it because I didn't know there was a K instead of a C. But you enjoyed the, we're going to try to get this right, the Pineapp Cherawava. Puff Tart. Puff Tart. It's a kettle sour with cherry, pineapple, guava, and marshmallow and milk sugar. Oh, my goodness. What the hell? Did now, what you do you, taste what the marshmallow? You, I'm going to give you a can to take home. Yes. From the powerful... Farm fresh fridge. That's a lot of F's. Right. Farm fresh fridge. And the, I, and the do you call it the icebox or the fridge? I call it the fridge because I'm, right. I'm not from 1747. Well, I'm from the barn here, so right. from the farm. So we call it the icebox. But in the icebox, we are powerfully filling it up. Uh, if the flock want to follow me at Mike Rez Radio on Twitter, then you'll see a picture of the fridge that needs to be filled. All right, if we're getting social media shouts out, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Amish B Machine. Follow us on Instagram. Check out our YouTube channel. We do have a powerful YouTube channel. I'm going to need you to subscribe, comment, and like every video because of the evil algorithms. We must do that. And wherever you enjoy podcasts, please enjoy us. We're on Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple, iHeartRadio. Everywhere, Mike Rez. Everywhere. Make sure you subscribe and leave a rating. Once again, powerful algorithms and merch. We talked about the uh, masks. We do have powerful masks, T-shirts, hoodies. When it gets cooler, eventually it's going to get cooler. We have tank tops, mugs, stickers, you name it. We got it. AmishBabyMachine.com. And if you want to help support this powerful podcast, check out Patreon, patreon.com. Links are on AmishBabyMachine.com. 
Now, getting back to that powerful beer, what did you think of the graphics? I was not offended by the graphics. There's nothing on that can that I didn't like. It makes me uh, feel kind of happy, actually. Did you like the whimsical font? I did. I really did. It uh, looks like a cloud or a pillow, something soft that I can lay my head down on. Yes, much like your bosom. Now, if you want to see a powerful picture of that, go to Instagram, Amish Baby Machine. I took a powerful picture of it. Yeah, it's uh, 4.26% alcohol by volume. I don't have the IBUs, but I'm pretty sure it's low. Now, how, does, how do you feel? What's your, uh, you're a big beer guy. What's your average booze level that you enjoy? Try to stick between like four and a half to five and a half, but I have enjoyed a lot higher as some of our beer reviews have gone. I think uh, the highest that we've tried or I've tried on our beer review is like nine something, 9.3. Whoa. Yeah, gave me a headache the next day, though. The key is hydration. Yes, yes, it is. Now, this is like a, uh, looked like another soda that you were drinking. Oh, here we go. Did you hear it? Soda. Soda, Minnesota. Yeah, like a cherry soda. How did it taste? Did it taste like it looked? You know, I like that whole, that whole line, the whole whatever you want to call it, those different versions of that drink. Yep. That was probably my least favorite of that line, but really? it's good. It's really intense fruit. It's got a bunch of different things going on. I recommend it if you want a fun summer drink. Uh, did you detect notes of cherry, pineapple, guava, milk sugar, and marshmallow? You know, this one's got a lot of different things going on. As far as breaking it down, it's hard to break down one certain flavor, but it has a powerful harmony of flavors. I enjoyed it. It wasn't, like I said, it wasn't my favorite out of all those. Right. But I recommend it for a powerful summer drink. How many uh, passion fruits do you give it? Good question. I will give it 3.75, 3.75 passion Ooh. fruits out of five. Interesting. Would, uh, well, now when I try it, do you think that my taste buds will go on one of those flavor vacations I like to talk about? Yes. Hopefully it's not a staycation. Oh, yeah. Are you, are you sick of it, all this, the masks and traps and... I'm just Being trapped sick and, of everything. I know. 2020 is not a good year. No, it's not. So you know, I think maybe we need an asteroid to just graze the atmosphere. Just graze it, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just kind of knock us down. Yeah, something. We need something. Something that'll unite the planet. Yes. But as, yeah, as far as that drink, I enjoyed it. It's a good summer drink. Check it out. The Brewing Project. Powerful pictures will be on Instagram. Yes, check it out. Today, we're going to talk about the Halifax explosion. Can't wait. And also, we're going to talk about Song of the Day. What I picked was Al Stewart on the border. Yeah, some, of, some members of the flock will uh, know who Al Stewart is. He is the singer of the song Year of the Cat, which was probably his uh, most known hit here in the United States. He's from, or he's a British singer, so he may have had more hits across the pond, as they say. Well, I enjoyed him. I got a chance to see him live. Powerful performance. What year was this and where at? I want to say year. I have no idea. The Fine Line in Minneapolis. At the Fine Line? Yes. This must be pre, pre the uh, First Avenue group that bought it? I don't know. No. I just know I enjoyed him. He had uh, Time Passages is one of my favorite songs by him. I've never heard that one. I've only heard of Year of the Cat and now this song, On the Border. If you like, if you like that folksy stuff, you like Gordon Lightfoot. Mm -hmm. This guy's really into history. 
Yes. You're going to want to check out Al Stewart. Trust me. If you're into that folk music, if you're into history, we're going to talk about history today, the Halifax explosion. Right. Check out Al Stewart on the border. Yeah. Now this came off the album, like we said, the uh, year of the cat in 1976. They actually, uh, that album charted number 42 in the United States. And some uh, other information off of songfacts.com. The Spanish guitar on this uh, track was actually not coming from Al Stewart. It comes from a gentleman by the name of Peter White. Uh, Yes, very good guitarist. Yeah, he was uh, actually hired to play the piano on this album. And Al Stewart was like, well, I can't play the Spanish guitar. And the producer, Alan Parsons, of the Alan Parsons Project, didn't I know sh- how to play. I shall call it the Alan Parsons Project. <laughs> right. Yeah, so they, they asked this guy, uh, Peter White, to do it. And uh, he sat down and, and uh, Al Stewart said, on this track, it's the first take of the Spanish guitar. So he nailed it on the first try. Yes. So check it out on the border. You're going to like this song. I like this song. Now, I love the 70s. I love singer-songwriters. Mm-hmm. You know, me and you both like history. This is a story, the Halifax explosion, that I don't know if you guys in uh, Flock of Amish land are familiar with. Mike Rez was not. No. Not ashamed to admit it either. The Halifax explosion's pretty interesting. We'll get to that. But yeah, if you're into folk music, check out Al Stewart on the border. A lot of folking music from the 70s. What is, uh, just listening to that song, what, what does he remind you of? Is there any other bands that, that you know, on, when you listen to a YouTube video and on the right. side, they, they show you all the different ones? Yeah. Like in your mind, did that remind you of anything? Did it? Uh... Uh, well, off the bat, kind of a, like a Cat Stevens type. Wow. Yeah. I was just thinking Cat Stevens. Yeah. So, well, it's our, it's our cosmic vibe. It is we powerful. We're in sync. In the barn. Yeah, uh, that was the first one that came to mind. Uh, I would have to probably listen to it a couple more times or listen to more of his music to see if there's anybody else. I'm sure there's probably a Tom Waits influence. Wow, Tom Waits. Oh, yeah. Don't folk with me about folk music. That's another thing. That's We are on a powerful psychic wavelength. I want you guys to put your hands out to receive some powerful energy. By the way, I did a horoscope yesterday on Twitter. I saw that. It was... (laughs) At Amish Bee Machine, you're going to want to follow us. <laughs> yeah, you never know when your horoscope will be told to you. Isn't that amazing how eclectic the Amish Baby Machine is? It was. It was one of your more popular tweets of the week. Yes. I, I think I'm going to continue. I think you should. At Amish Bee Machine. I have this power. I need to share it. Yeah. And that definitely oozes through Twitter. Yes. Oozes. Mm-hmm. That's a good word. But Tom Waits, we, I, funny, I was on YouTube and people were talking about how he sounds like the Joker. I could see that. Yes. Yeah. What's his name that did the Joker that passed away? Uh, Cesar Romero? No, the other one. Jack Nicholson. No, keep going. Um, Heath Ledger. Yes. You see how I did that? That's powerful. <laughs> We're on the same powerful wavelength yes. here. <laughs> how long ago did Cesar Romero pass? <laughs> I don't know, but I loved it because he, he had a mustache, but then they put the- They painted over yeah, it. Yeah, painted over it. Yeah. Kind of like- uh, Dude from Superman, they did that with CGI. Oh, sure. He had a mustache for uh, Mission Impossible. Yeah. Yeah. He built a computer, apparently, too. He built the city on rock and roll. Oh, yes. No, but powerful, yep. Folk music, we love it. 
Maybe next week we'll feature another powerful singer-songwriter folk music. Now, speaking of singer-songwriters, if I could also plug the 945 show podcast that I do. I just released a new episode with the singer-songwriter from Minneapolis here, Eli Gardner. Check it out. Whoa. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, well, he's a Michigan native that uh, has come to Minnesota via, I think he said uh, Virginia or South Carolina or something. His his regular twenty four hour seven job is he uh, he is a photojournalist for a local television station, and uh, he's been writing music and singing music and playing music since high school. Old hockey player after his hockey career was over, he picked up the guitar and started playing. So his fifth album's coming out in September. Check Whoa, it out. Fi- is it on vinyl? I don't think it's gonna go on vinyl, but CD for sure. So that's uh, something we talked about. He has a song called Boat at Sea. Sounds like Blue on Black by Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Whoa. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. And we're going to be talking about boats today. Full circle. Yes, powerful. Yes. We're having one of those days, Dags. By the way, uh, I think I missed uh, maybe at least the last episode of Cheers. Oh, So I'm going to yep. need you guys to, by the way, Cheers, talk about it. I just got you a different drink today to enjoy. Yes. I am enjoying the, is it Rockstar? It is Rockstar. It's the Exdurance line of energy drinks. This is the Super Sours Green Apple. It has those BCAA aminos, the blockchain aminos that we talked about Branched in the last episode. Chain. Branch chain. What did I say? Blockchain? I you think did. I said blockchain last week. Too. Bitcoin, whatever. Yep. Uh, it's powerful CoQ10s, our favorite Q10s. Zero sugar, zero calories, electrolytes, and it's vegan for everybody who doesn't want to drink things made so out of So how do you compare that to the thermo you had last time? It's about the same. It's different flavor because it's sour apple. Do you enjoy the I sour enjoy apple? It. I do enjoy the sour apple. That's one of my favorite flavors too. Yeah. So it's uh, performance energy when you're clanging and banging, as The Rock would say. Hanging and banging. Hanging Lock. in the gym. Yes. Powerful. Wearing your masks that you can't breathe in. I had a powerful workout today, by the way. God, it was powerful. How much you bench? That's none of your business. Did you do any butterfly curls? Flies? No, no, no. No, no, no. These I don't call different. butterflies. That's are, not powerful. These are, these are different. No. Did you do any rowing machine? No. Any cardio? No. Why not? I don't do cardio. How are you going to keep up your stamina? I don't need it. It's powerful. Oh. You know I have power. Yes. Good Car- gains. Cardio does me. Really? Yes. Interesting. Cuban personal trainer at the gym. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Cardio. Powerful. Let's do a cheers, though. Cheers. The fans of Flack of Amish. I'm holding up my Italian water, mm-hmm. the Sani. It's and imported, right? And you're holding up your... My rock star. Yes. Sour apple. Sours, sours green apple. Powerful. Cheers. Cheers. Excellent. So let's get into... The main topic of the, the day. The main topic of the day. Oh, by the way, too, we have new music, too. We do have new music. Uh, Gray Beat from Minneapolis is going to let us play Crucible off of his new album that's available uh, right now. And it's uh, Elemental Rhapsody is the name of the album. It's his second album. Uh, Gray Beat's music, graybeat.com. Check it out. You can check him out on uh, Bandcamp and at Gray Beat Music on all of the socials. Now, he's had two albums. This is his second album. This is his second album. It's uh, so it's a little different than what we've we've been playing a lot of like synthwave type music. This is electronic music, and 
there's some like synths in there, so it's not quite synth wave, but it is electronic. I like to call it an electronic parfait of layers of music. Wow, like yeah. the peanut butter parfait. Almost one of, quite one of like my it. favorite parfaits. Yeah, so it's kind of like uh, you know, like onions has layers. Yes, his music has a ton of layers to it. You're gonna enjoy. Powerful. It. Yes, and uh, stick around. That'll be at the end of the show, as they say in the business, to play us out, Grey Beat. It's a very explosive topic we're going to get into. Now, from uh, Wikipedia, the Halifax Explosion. The Norwegian ship, the Emo, uh, had sailed from the Netherlands en route to New York to take on relief supplies for Belgium under the command of Haken Form. The ship arrived in Halifax on December 3rd for neutral inspection and spent two days in the Bedford Basin awaiting refueling supplies. Though given clearance to leave the port on December 5th, Emo's departure was delayed because her coal load did not arrive until late that afternoon, and the loading of fuel was not completed until after the anti-submarine nets had been raised for the night. Therefore, the vessel could not weigh anchor until the next morning. The French cargo ship Mont Blanc arrived from New York late on December 5th under the command of Amel Medec, which was his first time at helm as captain of any ship. The vessel was fully loaded with explosives, TNT, and pyric acid, the highly flammable-fueled benzoil, and it also had gun cotton. She intended to join a slow convoy gathering in the Bedford Basin, readying to depart for Europe, but was too late to enter the harbor before the anti-submarine nets were raised. Ships carrying dangerous cargo were not allowed into the harbor before the war, but the risks posed by German submarines had resulted in a relaxation of those regulations. Navigating into, into or out of the Bedford Basin required passage through a strait called the Narrows. Ships were expected to keep close to the side of the channel, situated on the starboard or right side, and pass oncoming vessels port to port, and that is to keep them on the left side. Ships were restricted uh, to a speed of 5 knots, or about 5.8 miles per hour, within the harbor. Now, the Emo was granted clearance to leave the Bedford Basin by signals from the guard at approximately 7.30 the morning of December 6th with pilot William Hayes on board. The ship entered the Narrows well above the harbor speed limit in an attempt to make up for the delay experienced in the loading of the coal. The Emo met the American tramp steamer Clara being piloted on the wrong side of the harbor, so the Clara was not where they were supposed to be. But those pilots decided to pass starboard to starboard, and soon afterwards the Emo was forced to head even further towards the Dartmouth shore after passing the tugboat Stella Maris, which was traveling up the harbor to Bedford Basin near mid-channel. The captain of the Stella Maris saw Emo approaching at excessive speed and ordered his ship closer to the western side of the shore to avoid an accident. Francis Mackey, an experienced harbor pilot, had boarded the Mont Blanc on the evening of December 5th. He He asked about special protections, such as a guard ship, given the Mont Blanc cargo, but no protections were in place. The Mont Blanc started moving at 7.30 on December 6th, and was the second ship to enter the harbor as the anti-submarine net between George Island and Pier 21 opened for the morning. The Mont Blanc headed towards the Bedford Basin 
on the Dartmouth side of the harbor, the side she was supposed to be on. Mackey kept his eye on the ferry traffic between Halifax and Dartmouth and the other small boats in the area. He first spotted the Emo when she was about 0.75 miles away and became concerned as her path appeared to be heading towards his ship's starboard side, as if to cut him off. Mackey gave a short blast of his ship's signal whistle to indicate that he had the right of way, but was met with two short blasts from the Emo, indicating that the approaching vessel would not yield its position. The captain ordered the Montblanc to halt her engines and angle slightly starboard, closer to the Dartmouth side of the Narrows. He let out another signal blast of his whistle, hoping the other vessel would likewise move to the starboard, but was yet again met with a double blast. Sailors on nearby ships heard the series of signals, realizing that a collision was imminent, gathering, gathered to watch as the Emo bore down on the Mont Blanc. Both ships had cut their engines at this point, but their momentum carried them right on top of each other at a slow speed. Unable to ground his ship for fear of shock uh, that would set up the explosive cargo, Mackey ordered the Mont Blanc to steer hard to port and cross the bow of the Emo in a last-second bid to avoid the collision. The two ships were almost parallel to each other when the Emo suddenly sent out three signal blasts indicating the ship was reversing its engines. The combination of the cargoless ship's height and in the water and the transverse thrust of her right-hand propeller caused the ship's head to swing into the Mont Blanc. Emo's prow pushed into the number one hold of the Mont Blanc on her starboard side. The collision occurred at 8.45 a.m. and the damage to the Mont Blanc was not severe, but barrels on top of the deck toppled and broke open, which flooded the deck with benzoyl, the high-octane fuel. As the Emo's engines kicked in, she disengaged, which created sparks inside the Mont Blanc's hull. That ignited vapors from the benzoyl, and a fire started at the waterline and traveled quickly up the side of the ship. Surrounded by thick black smoke and fearing she would explode most immediately, the captain ordered his crew to abandon ship. A growing number of Halifax citizens gathered in the streets and stood at the windows of their homes or businesses to watch the fire. The frantic crew of the Mont Blanc shouted from their two lifeboats to some of the other vessels that their ship was about to explode, but they could not be heard above the noise and confusion. At 9.04 a.m., the out-of-control fire on board the Mont Blanc set off her cargo of high explosives. The ship was completely blown apart, and a powerful blast wave radiated uh, from the explosion initially at more than 3,300 feet per second, temperatures at nearly 9,000 degrees Fahrenheit, and pressures of thousands of atmospheres accompany the moment of detonation at the center of the explosion. White-hot shards of metal fell down upon Halifax and Dartmouth. The Mont Blanc's forward 9mm gun landed approximately 3.5 miles north of the explosion site in Albro Lake in Dartmouth. Its barrel was melted away. And the shank of the Mont Blanc's anchor, weighing half a ton, landed two miles south at Armadale. So, Dags, what we have here is an explosion that occurred. It was like a, a cocktail of what could go wrong went wrong uh, as these ships were entering and leaving the harbor. That caused one of the most horrific man-made explosions ever in the history of the planet. Yes, over... Almost 2,000 people were instantly killed. 9,000 people were wounded. Yes. The ship had 2,300 tons of pyric acid, 
200 tons of TNT, 10 tons of gun cotton, 35 tons of benzo. The explosion was the equivalent of 2.9 kilotons of TNT. To give you an example to compare that to, Hiroshima was 15 kilotons. So we're talking the largest man-made explosion ever, ever before the event of atomic weapons. Right. It created a huge tsunami, 60-foot waves. It actually displaced so much water that the, the bay, the ground floor, you know, the water disappeared. And you could actually see the dirt of the, of the bay. Mont Blanc disintegrated upon detonation. Yes, I mean, it's amazing. And I, I feel for the poor people. I mean, there was people out there watching. They had, like, the perfect view of the, the harbor. They could see the fire. And everyone was watching. And then it detonated. Yeah. I mean, I mean you think about it. I, I, we were talking about we saw stories of people that survived. They said they, they saw people just hanging out windows, their heads blown off. I mean, to show the ex- explosion, the power, you talked about an anchor got just thrown miles yeah, inland. two miles away. Yes. And the gun, the forward gun being landed Giant. three and a half miles away. Yeah, the, uh, a lot of the injuries, too, were from people standing at their windows watching. And as a, the wave comes across the, the two towns, Halifax and Dartmouth, the windows in front of them shatter. A lot of people lost eyes because of that that explosion. You know, they had glass in their eyes, they either lost one eye or both eyes or permanently blind. Um, I, I think one of the, the video you and I saw with the survivors, one of the, the women that survived ended up having surgery to remove her eye immediately. And the the daughter of that woman that survived said she was still picking glass out of her eye socket for 15 years later wow and that that's just how how bad it was and like you said a lot of people missing limbs having their heads taken off Uh, a lot of the houses were destroyed i think they said 80 percent of the structures in halifax were completely destroyed it was a quite a catastrophic event it really wasn't. And people, like I said, didn't realize what was happening. They thought a ship was on fire. Yeah. And the ship's crew was trying to warn people to stay away. But with all the noise and the confusion and everything happening, nobody heard the calls except for one guy it was the train, the guy in charge of the train yard down uh, at the piers. Uh, everyone was running away. And as he ran away, he had the thought of, well, we have a lot of trains with passengers coming in. I got to run back and uh, warn all the trains. And he actually did that, and we were able to stop enough trains uh, so there wasn't even more casualties on that day. Yeah, he was a hero. He saved the lives of hundreds of people. Yes. It reminds me of the story of the Kursk, where the Dmitry sailor on the submarine shut down the two reactors. Right. And we were saying that would have been another Chernobyl. Yeah. I mean, he gave his life to do that. Yep. The same with this guy. He could have ran away. Yeah. But he went back and telegraphed everyone to tell him to stop the trains. Yeah. Because hundreds of people's, hundreds of people were coming in on the rails. Yeah. I think they said one train had 300 passengers on it. So he was able to, I mean, he saved a lot more people that could have been 
ultimately destroyed. And the schools were turned into morgues. Uh, you know, people were being brought in on, in wheelbarrows. Uh, it was quite quite the scene. I mean, it was the the rebuilding afterwards took many years. And they actually picked the last body out of a building a year or two later. I think it was 1919 was the last body recovered. So that would have been two years later. So that, I mean, that just goes to show you the type of devastation and how long it took for them to clear buildings and to, ins- to find people. The other thing that I thought was amazing is that an explosion that powerful, you would think everyone would be vaporized, but there's actually a lot of people that were, they f- were found alive under the rubble. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, to top things off, uh, there was a blizzard that occurred like a day or two later. Yeah. If and, it's not bad enough, a massive explosion, a blizzard. Right. Yeah. Cause this is the middle or the beginning of December in the winter. And, uh, some of the people that they thought, you know, they would have had some more survivors, but some of the people trapped in the rubble died of exposure because of this blizzard that occurred too. Yeah. It's a, it's a story from history. I don't know if you guys have heard about, like you said, you, you weren't familiar with the story. No, I never heard about this one before. And, and it's weird because the ship, normally they, they'll put like red flags on a ship like that, showing that it's carrying munitions. Right. But, you know, they didn't want anyone to know. Yeah, and I think that the rule at the time was that you only had to fly that, that flag that indicated explosives if you were loading or unloading or stopped. So as you were traveling, you didn't have to do that, like you said, so they didn't, nobody knew what you were carrying. I don't know why they wouldn't do that, because it's not like they were going into you know, like enemy territory or like somewhere that's under siege. It was just Halifax. You know, and they were meeting a convoy that they were going to hook up with to get over to Europe. Then you think about, I mean, they had those barrels. I mean, I, I bet that a lot of things changed hauling that dangerous cargo after that event. Right, yeah, it was right on the deck. Yeah, and that just <laughs> cracks open and basically just makes a giant fuse. Right. And the weird thing is, too, normally you think of collisions at massive speeds. This was at yeah. almost no speed. Yeah, my, one, 1. 1.2 miles Slow per motion. hour. Yeah. I mean, just, you, you think that would give you enough time to to react but it wasn't and you have the one ship the the emo who decided well i'm not gonna switch my path even though i'm on the wrong side and i should be going over to the right side but nah i'm gonna stay here yeah it's an incredible story and i wanted you guys to hear about it it's always fascinated me there's a an investigation that occurred afterwards as well a couple of the court decisions found that the uh, french ship was the one to blame, um, but they think that's because at the time there was a lot of anti-French uh, sentiment at, uh, going on. Uh, but uh, the final conclusion was that both ships were to blame for this accident. Belgium and France both took equal blame for what occurred. The, the very first thing they thought was that maybe it was uh, German terrorism because World War I was going on. And they thought somehow maybe... Sabotage? Yeah, Germany was able to sabotage uh, the Mont Blanc. Uh, but uh, as witnesses and came forward and people saw what actually happened, they were yeah. able to piece it together. Just a hell of a story. I mean, that's just... is people are going to stop and look at a ship on fire. It's just a natural reaction to, I right. mean, to watch a fire. Yeah. You're not going to think anything of it. And then... 
it explodes. I mean, for 3,000, almost what, 3,000 tons of explosives? Can you imagine the, the light that gave off? The massive mushroom cloud. Yeah. yeah. You said the heat, the explosion, the shrapnel. I mean, it just, like we were talking about earlier, the, the power to take an anchor and throw it miles inland. Yeah. That's just crazy. I mean, it took the other ship, the Emo, and just beached it. I yeah. mean, it created massive tsunamis. I mean, this was a huge explosion. Yeah. Anytime you can displace enough water to see the bottom of the bay that you're in, that's, <laughs> that's an explosion. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel bad for all those people. But like I said, the cool thing was there was a lot of survivors and there was a lot of great stories of survival. Right. There is a uh, YouTube video as well. I will share it on my Twitter uh, after this episode gets published. There's uh, some interviews with some survivors of the explosion. Now, these survivors were like four, three, four, or five years old at the time, so they're going based off of what their memories of the time can tell you and based on what their parents have told them. Uh, so it's pretty interesting. It is. It's an interesting uh, moment in history. Yeah. Thank you for that powerful reading, young man. Hey. You're powerful. Good job. Let's get some shout-outs before we wrap this show up. We have a couple shout-outs. So we have Rob from Earth60, Got to Talk Poker, and our friends at the Top 6 Podcast. Thank you for supporting this powerful podcast. And tonight, we do have powerful music. Yes, stick around for Graybeat and Crucible. Let's do it now. Let's fire up Graybeat. It's going to play us out. Thank you for listening. We ask you one thing, guys. Please tell a friend about our podcast. Word of mouth advertising like Ron Hill. And until next time, you've just enjoyed the Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast.
Thank you for listening to the Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast. It is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere else fine podcasts are found. Please support our podcast through Patreon and shop our merch at AmishBabyMachine.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. This has been an Amish Baby Machine production.